let's talk a little bit about that tournament experience in itself over at Main Character Jiu-Jitsu. So you started off right up top. And here's what's tough. Oh, my God. Look at this giant jug that you are drinking mid-question. Do you need a second here, sir? Sorry, bro. Hold on. Did you buy just the actual replacement jug and drink <laughs> out of the entire replacement jug, sir? up ladies and gents it is your friendly neighborhood bjj podcast rafa sparza coming to you with another great installment of the grappling hour i hope you're having a great day but before we get to our guest who just won savagely at main character jiu-jitsu enough about him back on me he's also lit very well i hate to say this i, I when the characters on the show uh, appear to have better lighting than i do it is somewhat advantageous although i think we're using very similar lights he just makes his a little bit more brighter and shiny. Anyway, enough about him. We'll get to him in a second. First and foremost, if you guys enjoy the show and you enjoy me, more of the show, me, I don't really give a shit which one, it would be great if you could support the show by going over to high.page backslash grappling hour. Become a member, see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. For five bucks a month, you support me and you can see them very early. Or, or you can pay a few extra dollars and you can see extra bonus content that's not available anywhere else, including interviews, including bonus content, including tape breakdowns. Uh, we do tape studies with the athletes themselves on some of their most prominent matches. And my favorite segment now, which is a segment called Roast Raft, where people roast my competition footage because uh, I'm not as good as the people I interview, but what I do is funny enough for them to make fun of because they are good at it, if that makes sense. Anyway, you can see those, hi.page backslash grappling hour. And if you like this show, you can also like, subscribe, comment, in the comment section, we'll give you something to comment by the end of this episode. And finally, join our Discord to continue the conversations that we're having here on this broadcast. All right, our guest. Well, he had an impressive performance over at Main Character Jiu-Jitsu. I was very, very happy to see him there. I would love to say that he had a great performance over at the PGF. I saw him. I know he was there. The camera showed me he was there, but he wasn't needed at that one. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that and what other nonsense he has been up to. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the winner of Main Character Jiu-Jitsu Tournament number two, one, Ryan Aiken. Ryan, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Raph. What about you, bro? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for coming back on the show. Uh, so we should start here with some some beef squashing because I feel like the last time I saw you, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about video games. And then, and then... I saw when we tagged you in something that we misquoted you in something and you said these these trash journalists. And I thought to myself, well, oh, I am shit. many things. <laughs> I don't know that I'm a journalist, but I know I'm not trash. So let's get to the bottom of this. What irked you about that main character? I'm sorry, about that Smash Brothers post Smash that we put up. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, I'm going to have to look at the post again because that was so long ago, bro. You're like an elephant. Uh, you never forget, do you? No, oh, no, no, no. Unfortunately, well, when you have a, a head as big as this one, 
uh, you do tend to remember things uh, very, very well. So, yeah, I mean, here's my thing. I'm always fine. Like, legitimately, we have guests on. It's all in good fun. So when I saw you doing that, I just go, oh, that's pretty funny. And then, right, hold up, hold up. Okay, I you're, you're going to call this. it up right now. All right, I'll, I'll I set... I find this shit, man. Hold I up. will set the scene. You could probably find it in our DMs together because I feel like it's one of the last things that we do. So let me set the scene for our, our friends here. I got my man talking about video games. And I said in the caption, Ryan Aiken hates Super Smash Bros. And I think he was saying he doesn't necessarily hate the game he might hate the players. So what he was doing was explaining how competitive his environment is with the people that he trains with. So that is what ended up happening there, sir. So I think that might have been the small discrepancy. Wait, say that again? Oh, fuck. Uh, I said the whole thing. I literally told the whole story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. My ADD has been so bad lately. Um, I I don't know if I got hit in the head or some shit, but... (laughs) Dude, yeah, lo- long story short, man, like like with the Super Smash Bros, I was butthurt because basically like uh, 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 I was, dude, I, I was like up by like fucking three or four, you know, like lives or some shit. And I just started choking, bro. I don't know if this ever happened to you, man, um, at one of your tournaments or something. But yeah, uh, I just started choking, bro. I like my character's not grabbing the fucking ledge or some shit um it, i just is glitching out my controller just starts like running sideways and because it, it's a damn nintendo switch controller bro like so um yeah i mean that i just start my character just starts bolting like one way for no fucking reason and uh and i can't stop it i mean it's it's like it's like god reached down and uh <laughs> just started like fucking fucking with my controller or some shit i don't know what happened dude um i, I but, think you were getting yeah, that's why i, I think... freaked out they were they were probably slowing you down. I felt like that that was the haters or that was society coming to get you, man, and saying like you got too much, man. You're winning a little too well here. You know what? We got to slow things down. You got to know your place. Well, yeah, yeah. I definitely I definitely feel like uh, like luck. A little bit of luck can be involved like that, for sure. Well, I I was wanting to start the interview off that way because you know what always is important to me is this is we send these video clips off and the first person you should ever blame for that is yourself. So when I saw that go off, I thought I was like, in what Coke binge induced way did I write that headline? Because that's my first thing is I'm like, wait, what time did I write that? You would, you would be into Coke rough. You would be into Coke. You know, I, (laughs) I would say this, if I'm ever into Coke, uh, my talking speed is so normal. Y'all will know you like, it will a hundred percent be apparent oh, if I'm ever on Coke, but oh, it will man. be, uh, a lot of writing is going to happen then. But I just thought to myself, I was like, you know what, if I did misprint something, let's get to the bottom of it. And then I watched it and then I go, eh, fine, whatever. And then I see uh, it sent out over your side. And I just said like, all right, he's having fun with it. So we'll have fun with it as well. But I yeah. guess that opened up the opportunity for me to say, have you had any bad video game incidents since then? Has it been smooth sailing or have you slowed down? You're a very busy uh, person. I mean, not like competitively, but playing Baldur's Gate 3, I was like fucking nine hours in and then, you know, some save file bullshit happened. I, I don't know, <laughs> man. I had to fucking restart. I don't know if you try if you're into like RPGs and stuff, but Baldur's Gate 3 is sick, dude. I've been playing that with my girlfriend. It's a fun time. 
So what is that game? Because I am an old person here. I don't know what the objective is of it and, and why was it so harmful? I mean, nine hours sounds like a very long time to be doing anything, let alone playing a video game. So you definitely put work in. Oh, dude. I mean, that game you can easily put like 70 hours into. Baldur's Gate 3 is uh, it, it's down the line after Baldur's Gate 2, obviously. But that, that game's like super old. So uh, BG3, people have been waiting for like 10 years for uh and it's probably got about as much hype as like a lot of the elder scrolls games you know like oblivion and skyrim and stuff um and uh i, I just saw really good reviews for it so i decided i was going to jump in around launch date and get it and um it you know it took me a minute to like really get into it because it, it gets so sophisticated and stuff it's turn-based um but once i was into it dude i was locked in like it's a it's a really fun game. It's got really good storytelling, uh, and and the fact that you can do like couch co op with it is something you don't really see a lot nowadays. So um, so it was like a perfect game to pick up with like a loved one or a friend or something. So um, I would totally take a Baldur's Gate three sponsor for sure. Well, we need to work on getting you that because, I mean, listen, you're winning. You're getting more and more notoriety as we're going on. So I, it does seem like a, a fairly, fairly straightforward yeah. thing. I want to point this out though. So I know that after we kind of palled around and joked about uh, the video game thing, you even told me then you said that you got this new setup and I love it, man. It looks really, really cool. The design that they have on the backdrop, the way the light hits, you're doing a pretty yeah. good job here. So when did you end up putting that together and, and how has that been going for you uh, in terms of doing that? Cause that looks like a really good video game setup right there, sir. Okay, well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, so, so like, basically, when I won Battle of the Beasts, like, two fucking years ago, almost, in February, uh, I won $5,000, and uh, and at the same time, I was trying to beef up, like, a TikTok account that I had, and I was like, well, shit, if I had fancy lights, like, all these other people, you know, I could, like, beef up a TikTok account. So, um, so I blew, like, $1,000 on all these nano leaves and shit. I have... I basically um, like put them on this uh, on this panel uh, that I got from Home Depot, and uh, and I just built like a shape, and it's like a tower now. And then basically I did two of those, and uh, and now I have one on either side of me. So uh, I got these like three D um, cheap three D panels right here that were pretty popular too, and got the light to rebound off of them. Actually, what's dope is that main character, I could see they had panels like this on the roof of the building um, to cover like the rafters and shit. Uh, they had like a giant slab of these panels. And right there, you could see how the light just like kind of reflects off of them. Um, it just adds texture, you know? Um, so like like your, your setup has texture with like the rectangles and stuff in the background. I can't tell if they're monitors or or art. I like the way it rebounds off of the canvas on the painting behind you. Thank you, sir. You know, I mean, uh, I yeah. think it's it's a little sparse. I, I want to get more done back there. I want to get another painting. Uh, that's obviously Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin, a near and dear moment in my, my childhood. I very much love that match. And they're two of my favorite performers of all time. But conversely, I want to get a painting from the movie Heat which is Robert De Niro Heat's and Al Pacino. Sick, bro. I saw Heat for the first time uh, at one of the ADCC Opens, like, just a few months ago. Uh, yeah, it's oh good. My goodness. You have to understand, yeah. that movie to me 
is a masterclass. I went with my family to see that in the theaters. We loved it. And for me, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are, are like two top tier gods in terms of acting. And to see the, the restraint that they have and that diner scene. I want that diner scene up here, but I have to have an artist that I trust to do it. Now, here's the symbolic nature of that if I do get it right. If you look at that movie, they're in the same scene together, but they're never shot in the same scene together. So they actually have coverage on both sides. So there was a wonder at that time. They're like, are they at the same place? Did they do them on different days? How did they shoot it? No, they were there, but they wanted to create that tension by shooting them because they knew so many people were expecting them to be in their movie for the first time together. So that's why for me, if I can get that painting going, I want that back there. But I don't have a good eye for design. I realize that uh, going forward, I'm going to need somebody to like design if I get like a bigger show that for me but you this is pretty good man this is a great start and i do notice that the lights bring out a certain fixture you do the multicolored thing on your nano lights which i don't touch because i need to keep this face exactly lit as is but i do notice that you you've gotten them going and it does uh bring the eye to different attentions whenever you're going with that and i think that is uh very yeah well that's a good point so like when you when you're running like a TikTok live for example like the trick is to try to keep people um on for as long as you can every every little second just like reels and stuff counts because um it's just like an algorithm again uh in in data analytics and statistics and shit like that like uh, every extra little second you can squeeze out of everybody is what will help like help push um, success. So uh, so, yeah, e- even if they're a little distracting or whatever, um, I play into it. You know, if they turn red, I'll be like my cheek turns red. I'll be like, oh, I'm blushing. See, you know, some bullshit <laughs> like that. Like um, that was just something that ended up happening a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, so it. I, I love lighting. I love I love design, man. Like uh, like actually in that movie Heat, something that really stuck out to me about lighting was uh, was our the the way they got artistic at the end when they're chasing and the the airplanes are flying over and they're at that back shadowy end of the of the fucking uh, airport mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember what stuck out to me was they were playing good guy good guy bad guy with the way the shot they were like putting the camera on the shadows of the person as they're running and then the light hitting the good guy and stuff like that. It was just, it was something that really stuck out to me about that scene. I figured you'd, you'd appreciate that too. Oh, since absolutely. You like that movie so much. Yeah. There is also a Instagram, not an Instagram, sorry, a podcast that calls one minute heat or one minute, whatever. And it's another nerd who loves Michael Mann, who's the director of that movie. And basically they take one minute and they make an entire like 30, 40 minute episode just on that one minute and that like lets them go forever and ever. So they have definitely geeked out about that sort of stuff. For me, the way that they shoot that scene is just, it's such a great payoff and, uh, oh God, yeah, I could talk forever about that. So I'm glad that you watched that. And little known fact, yeah. that was a, a very, uh, influential movie to Christopher Nolan who ended up replicating many of the scenes for the dark Knight. So he, he kind of oh. lifted elements from that movie uh and and just said he wanted to tell an epic story for the dark knight just like heat i've uh, i've read that there's such a massive like fan base behind heat uh and i think i i was seeing memes about heat before 
And then when I saw it was on the TV, I was like, I guess I got to watch it. And uh, and that's when I realized I was like, yeah, no, this is a really fucking good movie. Like, uh, it's I don't know, man, it gets your testosterone going, too, with that yeah. that scene where they're fucking uh, shooting at the cops and stuff. Oh, man. You just yeah, you want to go rob a bank, too. <laughs> <laughs> I told people that. You know, I, I'm obviously older, but I was at an age in middle school when that came out so when that came out i'm in middle school cut to me like going to an east coast trip with my buddies and i don't know if you know this but when you're with a bunch of dudes and you're like hey what should we watch i'm the fucking nerd that's like let's watch heat that's a three-hour commitment and i don't know that your your buddies at the age of middle school have the attention span for that but i was like no you guys gotta watch this like look at this pure precision filmmaking right here this is this is a real art tour and meanwhile, they're like, we, we could have watched Face Off or something. I was like, ooh, Face Off's actually not bad. It's my second favorite. But this is this is quality entertainment. Yeah, if they're into cinematography, that's definitely a good one. So you mentioned these light panels. And one thing that struck me about main character jiu-jitsu was I saw the attention to detail. I saw that they had the these LED, LEDs. Yeah, the, the you know, LEDs, I, bro. Oh. I was so happy to see that because... Yeah. I think the misnomer when you do things in jiu-jitsu is, you know, sometimes when I'll give criticism to certain events, it's like, no, I want to root for you. I want this to be good. When I saw that for main character jiu-jitsu, I said, that makes them stand out already, that they had these light panels. And you seemed particularly inspired by that so that you did a walkout. And I would like the story behind that because I saw you put up uh, a little bit of how hyped you were and you were telling people where they could find the song, but do you mind explaining why you were so excited about that setup in terms of how you were gonna walk out? Okay, so uh, I used to work on a stage basically back in the day. So uh, so basically like, <laughs> I, I feel at home when I got like, like all the lights on me and stuff. And I've always wanted to be like a DJ and shit. So, um, you know, the fact that like for that, that moment, I could have a little bit of control over the lighting and the 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 way the walkout goes and shit like that. Like it just it felt like I could like start a party. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, and that's something I feel like you know uh, I always liked watching with fighters and stuff like that. Like you know the energy when Conor McGregor would enter the arena um and uh uh israel adesanya the like him doing his dance and shit uh with the i think they were called like the jabberwocks or something jabberwockies uh yeah dude like like being on stage is hella fun and uh when i saw they had the those led panels too i mean that just took it up a notch because believe me if i could afford them i wouldn't have these damn <laughs> nano leaves i would have <laughs> led panels um Cause that's what like Hollywood uses. Uh, I, I'm, if I had to guess these production companies probably get them like hand me down from Hollywood. Cause they're just so expensive. I mean, that makes sense. I, I work on shows where there are expensive led walls and there's nothing quite like it. So when did you find out though, that they had that setup? Because to me, that doesn't happen at every tournament. No, I just saw it when I got there. Um, but I will tell you, I had that song picked out for uh, for a minute because I typically walk out to this song by Rufus Dussault called Inner Bloom. It's when I won the CJJ Worlds. Um, I was listening to Inner Bloom when I won Battle of the Beasts. I would walk out to Inner Bloom. 
Uh, the problem with Inner Bloom, though, uh, even though it's like the greatest song on this planet, um, the problem is that it ha it's so slow. It's just not a great walkout song. Like if you know what the song is, then hearing that one tone that they do, like that one note that, that they just send off, you know, right at the start, you're like, holy shit, that's inner bloom. That's like my inner peace right there, you know? But uh, but if you don't know what it is, it's just not really that hype, you know? It, it's a nine-minute experience for anybody that, that's listening to it for the first time. It's it's incredible. And you'll, you should never forget it if you listen to that entire nine-minute music video and watch all the painting droplets they're doing and all that. Uh, I think those are like macro shots. Um, it's incredible though. Um, so what I walked out to was a remix to Inner Bloom. And I've been looking for a remix to Inner Bloom for a while. And this one was done by Vintage Culture, who's like a really big Brazilian DJ right now. Um, and, uh, and it's like, he just does this like one minute climax that when I first heard it, I'm like driving my car 80 miles an hour and I'm hearing that climax and I'm like 30 minutes into or 30 seconds into the climax. And I'm like, come on, dude, let's get it over with. And then it just keeps going. I'm like, holy shit. Yo, when is this going to drop? And then like it finally builds up to that last 10 seconds. You're like, it's fucking coming. And then I literally like I was about to rip the steering wheel off my car, just throw it out the fucking window and run it like just ride, bro. Just fucking ride. But like, like, dude, that's where I was at when I first heard that remix and uh, and then it drops and he does this little like thing, like right when it drops, you're just like, what the fuck is that? It, it, I'm telling you that song, bro, that's that remix of that song is fucking incredible. And, uh, and I was hoping to share that experience with everybody. Um, and I think I did. Cause like when, when I was like up up on stage trying to fill that, you know, one minute climax, I'm realizing a lot of people are like, what the fuck? When is this going to drop? You know? And uh, then those strobes start going off and I'm like, yeah, like this is fucking going, you know? And then, and then like when it drops, dude, I lost my shit, bro. I, I, the fact that I was competing was totally out the window. Like I'm running around that mat and then I get to PJ. I'm just like, dude, did you hear that? Like, did you see that? That was fucking epic. Like, uh, <laughs> Like I couldn't stop thinking of that incredible drop with all the lights and shit. It was it was more than I like expected, honestly. It was like the way I guess the production was really just that high level that uh, that I was expecting way less for myself when I was coming out of, out on stage. But when it happened, I was just like, "Holy shit! This feels better than any concert I've ever been to." <laughs> so. Well, kudos to you, man, because I, I have told people for, me, for years that I don't really, that kind of level of competition has never been something that I, I care about or that I need. But I have told people, I'm like, what I want is a big fight feel walkout, like a pride version of something. Like back in the day when they used to be in Japan, I would have a fully choreographed piece of artwork that would happen. There would be tons of dancers. I'd make my way over to the ring and just be like, I'm good. That was great. You won. Hey, yeah. congrats, man. I'm literally like, that's the kind of showman I want is I want something like that. So when I saw you living in that moment, I thought, hey, man, that's really dope because most tournaments are usually go hit your mark. Yeah. Mark and that's it. So when I saw you really 
embracing that moment, I thought that's something really cool that they afforded you that I don't see everywhere else. And uh, that made me very, very pleased for the athlete experience. And full disclosure here, if you came to me with that song, I would fully have my old person moment of, I don't understand what this is. Explain your vision to me. And is it 45 seconds? And if we can make those things happen, I'm pretty sure that I would try to make it happen for you. But uh, seeing that happen uh, is really dope. And again, it's like the last event, you know, it's like the last match. Well, so, well, yeah. Not? So when I, when they requested the walkout song, like, you know, I was thinking, I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to do inner bloom? Should I do the what's so not remix? Uh, and then that one came to mind. And I was like, well, what part of this song do I use? I want to use the, I want to use the one minute climax in the drop. Um, but it's, it's one minute in a drop, you know, like, uh, so I was like, wait, what if I made it an experience and I told the DJ, I wanted this, this timestamp right here for the first song, this timestamp for the second, uh, this timestamp for the third, uh, match that I did. And then finally the fourth. So it was a journey. Um, and, uh, and like, you know, every time I would like walk out, I, I'd noticed that it's deeper into the song and I'm like, yes, he's doing it. He's doing it, you know, and I knew it was probably going to be a lot of work for them. Maybe not a lot, but just, you know, a pain in the ass. I didn't know if they were going to get the right uh, remix because as far as I know, it's only on YouTube. I didn't I didn't know if it was on Spotify or anything, um, but he did it and uh, he made it happen. So like that was that was when I just I lost my shit, bro. When, when it dropped, dude, it was fucking sick. Well, it's really cool to hear the element like. You yeah. were taking them on a journey as the song was going on a journey, as you were on a journey at a yeah. competition. So that's actually a very nice touch. My main thing, if I'm producing it, just tell me timestamps. Tell me timestamps yeah. and what we're doing. Even if I don't understand it, I can try and make you bring a, a vision to life. But you you seem to have a very good explanation of it. And it seemed uh, to go very, very nicely. Now, the only thing that I was uh, kind of wondering here, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Did you have a phone to your ear at one point uh, during this? Or, like, what was going oh, no, on there? No, I was just like, okay, so I just bought this damn iPhone 15. Uh, last thing I want to do is lose it. So I, I was just carrying it around everywhere with me. Um, I, it also doesn't have a fucking screen protector on it yet. So I was just I was just babying that thing. Um, I was, like, glued to it, you know? <laughs> Uh, so that's why I just had it on me every time I would walk out. I looked at the picture where I'm in my Luffy stance and I was like, I was like, fuck man, my phone's in my hand. Um, though, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't notice, but you know, uh, from a content production point of view, you always have that one little mistake that you're like, God damn it. Like why? Um, if I could just fix that one thing. <laughs> Let me point it out to you. I think you got to come up with a better backstory because I thought it was part of the story you were telling. I just didn't understand what it was. I was like, why is his phone here? Is he like sending a message like call an ambulance? I'm about to go do something right now. Like That's I funny. thought it was a production theatrical element. And I just go, I, if I didn't understand it before, I'll ask him about that because I for sure don't know why the phone's there. But now I understand it was, yeah, I just bought something. And that's more relatable than I think anything in the world to any of See, us right I now. didn't. I didn't know if if people like watch what's in your hand as much as that. If I had known that, then I would have come out with my Skittles because I was considering 
do I come out with my Skittles or my phone in my hand? Because I, I don't want to be carrying a bunch of shit, you know? I, I, I wasn't even carrying my water bottle at that point. Um, so, you know, I chose the phone because it's more valuable. But if we want to talk about symbols that I want to show, maybe Skittles would have been the move because uh, Skittles are my favorite pre-workout snack and I, I catch a lot of shit for, uh, Ryan, where's your Skittles? Ryan, are those Skittles all over the floor yours, bro? Like, did you spill those? You know, <laughs> they, everyone knows about my Skittles before I compete. So are you aware though, that places like California are starting to ban them and, and that has become a major, what's that? Because of the dyes, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I'm aware, aware of it. Okay. Okay. I'm so aware. I mean, there. Don't fix it. Skittles will come come out with some some uh, uh, designer dye. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> They'll come out with some designer dye that 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 just scrapes by and gives you more cancer. You know. We'll and figure it out. None of this bugs you, like to the point where you're like, "Yeah, I know what's in it. It's not great, but mm, whatevs." I mean, dude, I just there's some magic in the Skittles, bro. Some about tasting the rainbow. I don't know, man. Like, they, it just <laughs> it brings the best out of me, dude. <laughs> I'm glad that you were telling me you're like, "Hey, Raf, uh, you seem like a cocaine guy." Well, meanwhile, I'm gonna be like, "This dude's hopped up on Skittles." If there's anybody that's more akin to getting a cocaine high uh, sure, here yeah, in yeah. California, it's going to be Ryan. But I, I'm telling you this because I know you occasionally come out this way to compete. And the last thing I want is for you to get like, you know, pretty Granger where all of a sudden you have these Skittles on you and you're a prisoner of California. Like, I want to make sure you're safe. And if you're doing it, I mean, like that adds to the show, bro. I <laughs> smuggle Skittles in. I'm eating them on stage looking at a cop. And, and we're going to decide if he's going to come arrest me right then and there or wait till after I compete. You know, <laughs> either way, I'm getting carried off in handcuffs. Love it. That's which great. might look cool on camera as long as it's, it's for Skittles. You know? I mean, if you do it at Subversive, at least <laughs> it's my show and I'll make sure to have a camera on you. Uh, I can't promise you any other show out this way, but I definitely uh, appreciate the extra attention to detail. Let's talk a little bit about that tournament experience in itself over at main character jujitsu. So you started off right up top and here's what's tough. Oh my God. Look at this giant jug that you were drinking mid question. Do you need a second here, sir? Sorry, bro. Hold on. Did you buy just the actual replacement jug and drink <laughs> out of the entire replacement jug, sir? Okay, so this last uh, weight cut just fucked me up so bad. Um, I have I have post traumatic uh, PTSD from it. So, like post traumatic PTSD, PT PTSD, because dude, like cutting twenty pounds in two days is scary shit. And um, I guess now I I'll never take the option to drink water for granted again. And um, I just want to make sure I always got water on me. So uh, I, I'm an, it, sometimes I'm an idiot and I forget to fill up a jug. So if I just fill something up once a day, I'm good to go. And this baby carries three gallons. So um, it serves a couple purposes. It's, it's, a, uh, it's good for curls and it's good for hydration. And it's cheaper than a hydro flask. So I would highly recommend, 
you guys pick one of these up from Walmart. There's a large part of me that thinks that anybody at my own gym would just refill their shit after they see that. They'd be like, oh, well, someone brought this in. Here we go. They wouldn't think like, oh, that's someone's water bottle. Like, so there, there is that. I guess you're just short of bringing the actual machine with you everywhere you go and be like, no, nah, I just bring my own portable machine now. That, that, that's the move. This was this was two years ago. Now I just bring my own machine and just ah, let it. Bro, it's my Borg. It's my Borg. <laughs> All right. Let's start off with your first match because um, full disclosure here, you were going up against Jer Bear. So JB... And I, I must be very clear about this. Had the best promo of all of you guys uh, to he get did. into that tournament. I and did so- jack shit for promo. Um, just yeah, man, busy guy lately. <laughs> so uh, listen, nobody's harming you here. It just you know you've been on the show before. He recently was on the show. That's fine. But it is hard to figure out who we're rooting for because he had a good promo. So there was a part of me that was like, damn, dude. Not every tournament, I got to root hard for this guy. But I knew this was a rematch as well. So feel free to talk us through what happened in that match, sir. Uh, first of all, it's hard to not root for JB. He's a real cool guy. He's funny. Um, and uh, and he's got solid jiu-jitsu. He trains with B-team. Uh, he's got videos of him training with Craig all the time. So, uh, so I'm a fan of JB myself. Um, you know, with that said, though, uh, Subversive, last year we had a tough match. I realized that he was really good at overtime, much better than I expected. Uh, I guess it's from training with, like, Ethan Krellenston and, and Craig and stuff. Um, so the goal was to definitely not go to EBIOT with him uh, if I didn't have to. But that meant that I was going to have to really try to grab him. And uh, fortunately... Um, even though I knew like he was going to be really good at stopping like my sumis and stuff, he he passes from the knees on me usually when we roll. So, um, so I kind of expected that. Uh, but yeah, he kind of just like rolled over, and uh, and I went right into a rear triangle from there. Uh, there was a second where, you know, I I was considering should I just take the position he's giving me or do I try to really eat my way in there? And uh, and that's when I was like. My just kill kill mode got activated, and I just kind of grabbed his tricep and pulled as hard as I could to get in there, and I was able to lock it up, man. Um, and you know, I remember like years ago, positions like that, moments like that, uh, I couldn't really rise to the occasion, but now that seems to be changing. Um, so now it's like when I see something in competition, I think I can get it now. So. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely an evolution for me recently, for sure. Uh, that JV match was a good one for me. What do you think the difference in that has been? Because from what I've seen, you've always been a, a fairly decent competitor in, in all formats. So, to me, I, I can't tell the difference between what might have been on and off. But in your opinion, what do you think has been something that has played a factor in that? Uh, well, definitely rolling with my teammate, Kevin Beering. Uh, and Elijah, um, we're getting like better guys. Uh, everybody's like younger than me now on my team. So, you know, I'm rolling with like scrappy, hungry, uh, people, uh, that try to not give you an inch or they try to resist and make, make it extremely hard to, uh, 
put on these submissions and stuff, especially like chokes and, you know, uh, where you have to really tie them up. They just, they just try to wiggle as hard as they can out of it. Um, so things like that are definitely what are helping me with like the snatching. Um, but, uh, but yeah, another thing is the mentality, you know, with competing and stuff, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, you kind of fight yourself out there on this competition mats and that just doesn't make any sense. You know, you're supposed to be out there fighting one person. So, uh, so that's something I'm turning around right now too. Um, you know, I'm just, just working on unleashing everything on the other person instead of, instead of trying to like pull back all the time, pull back all the time, you know? Um, that's, that's something that the best competitors have, you know, when you watch someone like, uh, Mika Galval do like flying submissions and, and Roberto Jimenez just like be like a whirlwind around someone and jump on their back super fast. And you're like, what the fuck? How, how did this guy just do that? It's because they fully, fully believe in themselves, you know? And, um, and they're just, they're just, uh, they're just out there to enforce their entire will on somebody. Uh, in the moment, in the split seconds that they see an opportunity. Um, and so that's something I'm working on too. I feel like that comes with competing against uh, the best guys in the world. Uh, the more mat time you have with all these guys, the, the, the more you pull them down from that pedestal in your head. And, uh, and the more you've, you've become like them and you're one of them now, you know? So that's kind of where I feel I'm, I'm getting to right now. Good on you. Let's now move on over to your second match uh, after that first. Yeah, so uh, Cade, uh, you want to talk about someone that's coming up at, up the ranks right now? You know, Cade's uh, Cade's a monster. I know he's been uh, getting a little a little bit of uh, online training with my coach Sean Applegate, so I knew he was going to be uh, ready for the leg locks and stuff. I saw him leg lock Thor uh, blank. I. Um, I think it would have gone a little differently if they didn't uh, if they didn't DQ Fedor because Fedor's overtime is just the best. Uh, however, uh, his regulation you could just tell. I mean, nothing was going on, so it looked like Cade was having to chase him um, a lot. So you know, it was it, it was probably a good thing for the show and for uh, it, you know just for the show for them to DQ Fedor um, on that call. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, Cade was, I didn't really get to see Cade's overtime. So, uh, going into the second match, you know, I really tried to, uh, get a hold of Cade. It was difficult. He was stuffing my half butterfly pretty well. Um, and then I was, uh, I think I did get on top. Maybe I wrestled up. I can't remember. I think I saw back exposure, fucked up the Henzo roll, um, and then uh, I got to side control, held that for a second, moved to mount. Um, I knew Cade being young and, it, uh, and hungry, he was going to be super explosive right there. Um, so I'm trying to like establish, you know, position, um, make sure I was solid on there. Uh, we kept going out of bounds again because he's, he's super fast. He moves a lot. So I feel like we were always like going towards the edge and stuff and having to get reset. And I don't think he was like intentionally fucking me on the resets, but it just happened that every time when you get reset, I felt like I was I, I was like not uh, not able to hold the position as long anymore. So uh, that's definitely something I got to fix. Is maybe I need to try to sink harder on positions the moment we get reset, you know, 
um, and treat it kind of like a drill um, because uh, you, you definitely Yeah, so basically, uh, moving forward, you know, in competitions with resets and stuff, I just got to be tighter on the resets. Um, you know, resets happen, so I can't, I can't, you know, I can't like blame them and stuff. Let me ask this uh, because I, I was genuinely curious about this, and I didn't know if this bled its way into the main tournament. That, but I did see some discussion about going off the mats or ring out. What exactly was that? Was that for you guys, or was that for the other matches? Uh, there were other matches where they just straight up went off the mat ADCC style, which is cool, you know, that makes it exciting. It makes uh, at least one of the fighters want to stay in the ring. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, the most exciting stuff is always like going off the mat. Uh, frankly, I feel like I would perform best if we were just put in a fucking pit, you know, um, where, every, you know, like there was nowhere to go. But, uh, you know, some people like having the edge of the mat, maybe they can, they can run, they can throw them into a table and stuff like that. And, uh, it looks cool. It looks a lot. It, I mean, it makes the show look exciting for sure. Uh, definitely brings that extra dimension of excitement to the live crowd. Uh, when you have a, an entire body of, you know, full grown man flying into your face. So is that is that what you're trying to deliver just dudes uh for the gallagher splash zone experience yeah there you go gallagher splash zone yeah I, listen <laughs> i tell the guys now i'm like there's a splash zone don't be in the front row uh you know it's a little different because uh, you know i recently went to a pro wrestling show where we're front row and i was bringing a couple of my buddies one a civilian and one a other pro wrestling fan the civilian He's a D1 wrestler and he's looking at me and he's like, well, what's going to happen here? And I go, if they ever come to us, we have to move out of the way. And he's like, what do you mean? I was mm -hmm. like, because they're going to basically fly out here. So you kind of have to move. And they had these guys who were entirely in charge of making sure the audience was safe. Yeah, now, that's a precaution they take in ADCC. When I say there's a splash zone, it's a at your own risk. Like there's no stopping any of these behemoths at this point. And if they're a smaller size, you might be okay. But if they're a big boy, uh, you don't want to be in this area. So uh, I've definitely told people at tournaments, I go, if you hit me, I will not give you these photos. So you so, watch a lot of pro wrestling. Uh, is that right? I do. So uh, do you think jujitsu, where do you think jujitsu fits with like pro wrestling and stuff? And uh, do you think that there might be more money um, if we could somehow implement pro wrestling with jujitsu, uh, should jujitsu guys move into pro wrestling if they can? I think the latter thing that you just mentioned is a real possibility. We're seeing uh, a D1 wrestlers and wrestlers all around. They have a program called, I believe it's Next in Line, NIL. And the entire purpose of that is to poach from different sports. So they're picking like gymnastics. They're picking people from football oh, and they're cool. basically offering them straight out of college like hey you want somewhere to go come to our program and i think it's very smart because you pick up all different types of talent i think you're seeing the beginnings of that because there are a handful of guys who are big names who are huge pro wrestlers who do roll and train and i think that's dope because maybe they had mma aspirations or different yeah. careers that they kind of make into pro wrestling so Here's what age do you 
what age do you think that uh that applies to for like pro for guys moving from one sport into another like do you that's do you think there's an age that's too late no no i mean the beautiful part about pro wrestling is you can do it forever the now granted you're not going to be able to do the high spots forever but people are fascinated by jiu-jitsu like if you show them a certain judo takedown at some point the average person can't pull it off so mm. sometimes it doesn't take a ton to impress people as long as you can chain it together and it looks within the realm so like yeah. whenever we do our stuff uh every year we do a thing called wwe bjj and the whole emphasis of that is i call it jiu-jitsu halloween because i say be the heel you always wish you could be at a jiu-jitsu competition like you can be an asshole you can be a dick tell a good story show a good move do something and every year i put together a match and the whole way that you connect it is you have to think like what's something in pro wrestling that kind of works in jiu-jitsu if you do it like this and oh the so boston crab like, bro i was like watching you could throw someone in uh so someone puts you in clothes guard and mm -hmm. you sit on your butt and then you throw your legs around them and then you roll over to the side you can flip them over into a boston crab absolutely like that that will be legendary if somebody hits that in competition i'm waiting for somebody to do that they've done it in mma it's auspicious but we did a breakdown of that too uh i tell this to all of our guys they're not afraid of getting arm barred by me but everybody is definitely afraid of getting hit with a pro wrestling move so yeah. I hit Boston crabs on all of our guys. I hit a Texas clover leaf. My signature is a sharpshooter, which is that move back there. Um, mm. But there's other ones that are like a crippler crossface, which is kind of like an omoplata. So you kind of have like an S lock on their face yeah. while their arm is kind of like uh, pulled back. So I never do that to civilians. I only do it to people who are pro wrestling fans or who are kind of goons to kind of get them in check. But yeah, dude, I make I make a whole history of it. And I've had fairly prominent names uh pull me aside and be like, hey, show me that one move you were doing. And I'm always like, Yeah, but you're this person. Why do you want to know this? And they're just legitimately curious how I came up with it. And I go, Oh, this is from pro wrestling. Like this is a yeah, yeah. pro wrestling move. So I want to go back to the idea that you mentioned about can jujitsu athletes take from pro wrestling? Yes and no. Where I have issue is is when it gets too cringe. Like, if you're a heel, you can play a heel. That's the reason why Gordon is good at what Gordon does is because that's his personality. He is that person. Uh, what unfortunately has happened to him is he has now become the gimmick. So that's why whenever he's doing his stuff, if you talk to him in person, he's still kind of being that person. You go like, hey, man. You don't How do you feel about Dylan Dennis? Oh, uh, really badly. I'm glad for a minute we lost him, but it does seem like he, uh, I think I just read this report today. He put up a tweet that says he's retiring from MMA. And yeah. uh, I don't know what that means, but I'll tell you this much, man. You can get good attention on it, but if you can build off of that attention, it's great. It's just, what are you going to do with it? Like, what is the end yeah. game of this? Is it just hype begets more hype or do you have a match? And then at the very end of it, there's a resolution people like when they go, oh, it was just for show, man. All good. Hey, give me a hug. That thing I said about your mom, ah, it's all right. Like, I feel you can be entertaining and funny and have good one-liners. And I feel like the people like Craig, I feel people who can pull that off aren't quite WWE, but they have an extension of their personality. 
So Craig, just, Craig is funny. He's positive. Uh, and he's definitely, he definitely can like continue to do what he's doing. And it's going to, I feel like it can attract people, people from outside of jujitsu for sure. Um, and same thing with Gordon. Uh, I feel like he, I feel like Gordon might attract people more from like other martial arts though. And in UFC particularly because of the, um, business that he's been doing with them. Uh, so, so I, I feel like it's good to see it coming from those two. I feel like Dylan Dennis could have, you know, pulled more attention to jujitsu. Uh, he chose, I, I guess he chose not to, um, I feel like uh, he was definitely growing a lot on social media, so he was doing something right as far as that goes. But uh, you're right, as far as the re resolution in the end, I, it seems like it might be kind of lackluster. I don't know. We're going to see what he does with that, I guess. I'll tell you this much. It is unfortunate because I, I have students who they'll say, did you see Dylan Danis? And they're talking about the absurdity of what he did. And there's a part of me that goes, you know, for a while, he was a pretty good jiu-jitsu competitor. And if he really stayed in this lane, it could have been annoying, but at the very least, you would have likely seen him win a little bit more. Like, yeah. you can't disregard how his base was jiu-jitsu and, and that he was good at it. And yeah, he was getting stopped by Gary and Gordon, but that's Gary and Gordon. That doesn't mean yeah. you're a bad person. Lots of people get stopped by them. Well, it's that's the just... deep ocean he was in being over in New York, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it might have been different. Like people might have known him more and he wanted to have been underneath uh, Gordon and Gary's shadow and getting shot on by them all the time. If he was coming out of like Cali or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you definitely are sometimes uh, a creature of your surroundings. So he could have had a very different life and I don't know what it is, but. There was a, a hint, I think, on the article I read about his uh, retirement today that said that he would like to return to jiu-jitsu competitions, and I think that's good. I think he would be great at that. Oh, okay. Well, so now he uses his social media cloud as leverage uh, to pull more money and attention into maybe potentially a match with Gordon again or something. Um, that, that actually sounds pretty good, like, good for jiu-jitsu. But I think the general rule about this is whatever your personality is, don't fake it. It it just shows too much. That's what makes it cringe. And, yeah. you know, like if you're a goofy personality, that's why JB's promo worked. It was, dude, this feels a little goofy, but it's perfect for him. And then it just genuinely well, he makes me He told me he had some help. He told me he had some help with like uh, we... scripting and stuff, like which was pretty obvious. I told him, I'm like, yo, this was really well done. Y'all, y'all definitely had a shot list. Y'all mm -hmm. definitely had some sort of scripting. So you knew like what you were going to say. And, uh, and somebody gave you a costume too. Like it, everything yeah. was like set up pretty good, bro. But a good writer knows how to work off of the talent. So I think it was a good marriage of good writing for the talent. And it translated well to an audience. And I, yeah. I would love to see more collaborations like that happen. And I think you're you're seeing the emergence of it, but we're a baby sport. What you were mentioning in terms of the business side. So I actually listened to a wrestling podcast called WrestleNomics. And a thought occurred to me one day. They basically talk about the business dealings. And the WWE is a huge business now that they've been basically merged with the UFC. Together, the two of those entities are a $21 billion industry. Holy shit. Yes. Now, when I look at that stuff, I say, oh, can we 
lift ideas from that? Can we make jujitsu like that? And the difference that we have in our sport is we don't have people reporting on that news. You just know that ADCC has a deal with flow. You don't know what it is. You don't know how much money it is. You probably don't know what the viewership levels are. They might, they should, well, but they don't if you want to, if you feel like you need to hide analytics and stuff, then it's because you might be afraid of what people might think when they see it. You know, um, it's like on social media, people that want to hide the likes. How real is your account then, bro? Oh, you want to hide? You don't have any comments. Okay, how real are those likes? You know. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you start hiding numbers like that and stuff, it's like, uh, well, you, you just don't know, but it tells me that yeah. we're such in our infancy that we're just beginning that race. And yeah. I feel like the more competitions and, and productions that you see get, get put up, you're going to see a little bit more of the numbers. Um, but tangibles, things that you can see like numbers on YouTube for flows stuff. When you give it away for free, it does well. So some of that has high turnouts but it's usually for our big adcc stuff so i think now that you're getting more and more uh content like b team's content where it's a little bit more slice of lifestyle sort of stuff yeah there dude, is b team's b team and content is pretty interesting because i i feel like they have really good presence on reddit uh they have really good presence on instagram um nobody's really been touching TikTok yet uh, you know, yep. it makes me wonder if I should start like really pushing jujitsu on TikTok. I know there's some guy out of Florida that does a lot of TikTok stuff, um, though I never really see him competing or anything. So uh, they're out there, but none of the teams have really tried to push for TikTok. Um, so I don't know, man. But B team definitely, they have, I think there must be somebody. I, I don't know if it's one of the students or if if they have somebody do like working in PR or what, but uh, they're really like, they really got a good grasp on uh, content production and getting it out there for sure. I Just think presence. I know a couple, if not one of the guys, if it's one of the guys and he's doing all of it, he's doing a great job. But I think what is happening with that is you're seeing the emergence of the beginnings of it. What I would advise to athletes is this, find a way to extend your personality in whatever avenue it is. Some of the guys are doing great jobs where they'll actually have a Twitch stream and they get to show that side. Guess who did that? Demetrius Johnson. And you wouldn't know that he was interesting until he was doing that. And then it became yeah. a, I like that guy. Oh, that dude isn't getting his respect. He should be paid more. And guess what? That's He's why lives and streaming are really important actually, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, lives, lives and streaming. Like, cause the thing is, uh, everybody's figured out how to just spam with like uh, pictures, if you're a model, uh, reels, if you're, uh, God, these life coaches, bro. Like I, now I can use Adobe Premiere uh, Pro to, uh, let's say we shoot this right now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we shoot this interview. I can use Adobe Premiere Pro to transcribe it. I can take the transcription file, um, copy and paste the timestamps and the transcription into ChatGPT. I can have ChatGPT pick out specific 15 second clips uh, recycle certain bits and pieces of those 15 second clips. And I can literally build uh, probably 200 different reels and TikToks uh, out of this. And then I just slap on some software that throws the, the little words on the screen, you know, and then I'll just spam their servers with that. So unfortunately though, that that's not really super real, you know, that's, yeah. that's you just 
we're just kind of spamming it. So now I feel like we're going into an era where where live and long form content is what's going to be required to to really be recognized. I would tell you this. Uh, from my understanding, it is you want the shorts to get the attention and you want the long form to have the attention. So your shorts yeah. are are like your little commercials. Like, hey, come check out my channel. You'll see stuff like this. And, you know, this isn't the only channel I do. I, I work in television and their model is, is a little different, but it, it is interesting to see how they're making these plays of like, let's do these shorts. We've already got the long form. Let's make it so it's an advertisement for the next thing. Now you so, use the long form for the shorts, right? Yeah. And for me, it's it's yeah. always here's the interview, here's what's unique about this person. This is the clip that we picked. So when we did yours, it was, oh, this was you talking about video games. I think that's relatable, but also it's kind of funny because you're expressing a real a real reaction to it. My yeah. hint for you is you already do good jujitsu. So I think that you just need to show more and more people of how that gets built and there is an infrastructure with you and the guys that your roommates with and your team your community so i i just think you got to keep sharing that and i think make a play for uh for tiktok i think all of these things they beget something whatever your thing is make that play and show them a slice of life you know like show yeah. them what it is that that makes your thing interesting and unique and different but uh i guess that is kind of a, a nice little button on our our journey over here on the pro wrestling side. I will say this though. If you do show a move, I do think they're good. But if you can show the move that you hit in competition, those are the ones that I think have people going like, oh, cool. Because I haven't quite seen people do the Jorge Masvidal, I need him in the face, but I was practicing this execution video where it shows him backstage doing it and then hitting it on Ben Askren sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's probably the, the peak of like creative content for that sort of stuff because it does huge numbers for ESPN. So whatever it is, uh, do that. So don't be surprised if you see me taking credit for people hitting a Boston crab, even though Craig is way more views for doing, I want to be like, but we did it first. Never forget that Craig. <laughs> Just remember, there's a packing order here. Uh, so I guess uh, all that to say this. Let's go back to your semifinal. So in your semifinal match, that's a very cool and fun match. Talk to us about that, sir. Dude, fucking Taza, bro. So um, Taza, the day before, uh, Taza saw me on the brink of death after the weight cut. I just said, hey, Taza, how you doing? And he goes... Yes, uh, get hydrated, man. Uh, I want the best version of yourself out there tomorrow, or something like that. He was like, he was like, bring your best. We want your best. And I, and he was like, he was like in my head at that moment, bro. I was like, oh shit, dude, damn. He's he's uh, he's telling me he's gonna bring it tomorrow, you know. And um, and so I I had fought him uh, like a year ago on that subversive stage where I kind of I mean strategically uh through a last minute uh bullshit straight ankle you know trying to trying to scrape by on those uh on that score and uh and it worked and i was able to survive my first taza match for sure um 
and you know that meant a lot to me because i was like dude taza is like like the most technical guy in the world right now if not I, i'd say he's like in the top five easy um so you know i'm definitely i'm always uh nervous about a match with taza uh i also noticed that throughout the night he was uh he was not doing back ot's um his we all know his back defense is one of the best too uh, and I think everybody's trying to take a page out of Taza's book as to uh, as the escape, um, how to do the Taza escape on the back. So, uh, so I, I I was expecting him to have a really good back defense, uh, and I was also going to expect him to have good back offense. But next thing you know, he's doing armbar OTs, right? And uh, and so watching him do armbar OTs and put that guy in like a triangle uh, out of it had me uh pretty sketched out and uh and i knew like honestly i was going to try to get him in regulation uh because going into ot with taza was probably going to be rough and the only way that i could catch taza in in regulation was probably going to be if i could like mount him right um and maybe you know try to bully him up there or something because i knew there was a size difference um and so you know i got a good pass right off the rip and um in the taza match and then i went to, i was about to start going to mount and next thing you know he is like he does the most like technical little bridge and rock and i was kazushi so freaking hard that uh i i completely fumbled the position and um and then back to square one at some point in that match i uh i was in a really deep um attempt on my leg and I was able to like rotate and we were still dry. So that like kind of increased my confidence uh, as to not getting leg locked by Taza. Um, but then uh, after those exchanges, he was just really high pace, you know, coming at me. Uh, I could tell all the ADCC rounds that he had been doing um, were like giving him this, like he was just shooting combos off on the feed and stuff um he was really in my face man like uh he was really good at like not giving me a chance to breathe like having just just in your face with pressure and stuff um you know i i know he's not necessarily like a super good wrestler or anything but uh he's just he's just a really really good competitor so um i we go to overtime um and uh and you know, like I was able to hang on for one overtime. And when I when I realized I could hang on for one overtime, then uh, I just needed to make sure that I could defend an arm bar uh, from him. And he almost put me in that triangle too. And, uh, and that was sketchy for sure. Uh, but I was able to get out of that. And once I escaped those, you know, my confidence started going up. So uh, he was really good at breaking my grip on the arm bar though, for sure uh and then getting my arm exposed like i'm telling you man he's super technical super technical dude he is uh <clears throat> very good and i'm glad you brought up that uh subversive match that was such a great match you guys uh really put it on i think i recall making you go interview with one of our guys because i remembered being like yeah that's the kind of match i want to see like when i i do that i try to make note of it and especially if I'm producing it, I like to uh, try to make sure that the, the the people who compete in those matches get their due because it's hard yeah. when you get tunnel vision, you're kind of like eyes on prize 
nothing matters. But good production, just to kind of come back to our, our discussion on what we can learn from other sports, these athletes that try to run away after are hurting the sport. So when, you know, at that very event, we had certain athletes who were like, I don't want to talk to the cameras. And I'm like, okay, but you like getting paid, right? And they're like, well, yeah. And I go, well, that's how we get paid. That's how TV works. In other sports, the athletes for the NBA, when they get off there, if they want to talk to that guy, they get LeBron James. If they want to talk to this person, they get that person, then they go to halftime because you're building a story. It's telling the audience to stay tuned, to be a part of it. So if it's not part of the live experience, in that particular case, I think we had somebody creating content for outside of it. I said, talk to those guys because that's a moment. It'd be like if the UFC had a fight that you really liked and they didn't have enough time and then John Anik or Joe Rogan doesn't interview them and you go, well, that seems like a waste. So when our athletes say like, hey man, I'm in my zone, I don't wanna talk. I go, you're a fucking idiot and you're really hurting yourself because all you did was put a limit on what we can potentially make. Yeah. So that's my, my little rant there because uh, I definitely ran into that. And I just remember well, looking at them. I, I mean, like, like my Skittles, man, I feel like everybody kind of has a routine that they try to, they try to like uh, maintain for competitions and stuff. And some people don't want to talk, you know, I know myself, I used to, I used to wear my headphones and if my headphones were on, that meant like, don't fuck with me. Like, let me just, you know, let me just listen to my music and stuff and be in my head. And I didn't want to mingle with anybody. Uh, but as I've gotten more comfortable with competitions and stuff, you know, I try to just embrace the environment, uh, the music that's being played, the cheering of the crowd, the, um, you know, how it used to make me nervous when you'd hear somebody like yell tap or, you know, somebody was clearly getting injured and you're like, oh shit, we're doing pro jujitsu now, you know, people are getting legs broken, you know? Uh, but now it's like, you know, I try to just embrace that environment, you know? And so if somebody's running from the camera, you know, you're not embracing the environment. I feel like you're, uh, you're hiding from something, you know? So, um, I feel like, I feel like they should be getting out there and doing it as well. I think of it like this. If you want to call your prof- yourself a professional, you need to conduct yourself like a professional. So that includes media appearances that includes doing that. The reason why it doesn't seem like it's part of the deal is because people haven't done it in the past and there's not a culture of it. So they don't know what that's, what's expected of them. But if you have somebody who's producing the event saying like, Hey, we'd like to talk to you. And they go, I don't, I don't talk in between matches. And I go, well, then you're an amateur athlete because to me, a professional athlete does their appearances and gets back to it because to me, it's just like, man, I would love to get you more money, but these sponsors need to go on a journey too. And if you can take them on that journey, you've got a better shot. And if you need to be in a zone like this, then let's assume you're not in that zone. Do I bother calling you back? Do we bother bringing you back? Like all of these things and more. And I'm very fortunate because I would say the majority of athletes work with me. And are very good about like, hey, man, um, yeah, I'm, I'm helping run this. Um, I'd like for us to do this and this and this. And all I ever do is make a note of, well, I'm not going to interview that person. I'm not going to talk to them because I'm not going to waste my time. And it's going to be one of those things where I go, they can exist and they might get good views, but they're not worth my time. So that's kind of how I've, I've 
managed my stuff. But uh, at the same point, yeah, you and Taza had a banger of a match, and it, it shows that it is something you can replicate. Different world, different aesthetic, in a completely different time and place, and it's still a great match. So I want to get to yeah, this because... <laughs> well, not for us. As an audience member, I think we were pretty yeah. pretty happy about it. Talk to me about your final match. You obviously have the big end walkout of Journey, and I know that feels good. But PJ is such an elusive guy. It is tough to pin him down, and he is one of those guys who's been to the dance so many times before. He has so much experience in this. Yeah, I used to watch. Uh, I watched PJ do the quintet years ago. Uh, didn't really know who he was when I first saw it, but then, you know, he quickly became a household name, especially in the Tenth Planet affiliation. Um, so, you know, it was definitely a, a big accomplishment to finally get to the level where I could compete against a guy like PJ. Um, and not only that, I don't know if you saw his semifinals match against Hunter Colvin. I fought Hunter Colvin, uh, who they kept calling Hunter Calvin. Oh, at uh, <laughs> the announcer was calling him Hunter Calvin. I'm just like, that's not his name, bro. Like, come on, dude. It's that's an O. <laughs> and uh, and anyways, like I competed against Hunter a year ago or two years ago at CJJ, uh, and he was definitely a super tough match over there. I watched him do Polaris, uh, Polaris, um, and uh, and yeah, he's he's been on the circuit. He's had a good run with ADCC several times. He beat me at ADCC trials. So I knew on the other side of the bracket, uh, you know, it was either going to be Hunter or PJ, most likely. Um, and PJ fucked Hunter up, bro. Uh, like Hunter's a wrestler. Um, he was trying to wrestle PJ, and dude, it was insane. I, he had to have like twenty pounds on PJ, and PJ was just like wrestle fucking him. It was it was bad, bro. Like uh, he was throwing him around. He was definitely. I, I commend him for the effort for, you know, trying to wrestle PJ, but I would definitely have not done with what Hunter tried to do right there. Um, because he was like, he got thrown into a table and shit. Um, and, you know, it's exciting to watch Hunter too. Cause like, you know, he'll come back after an exchange like that, uh, you know, going off the mat and stuff. And he's revved up like, cause he's an MMA fighter and stuff too. So I'm sure the crowd thought that was super exciting. Uh, that was a really good match to watch. Um, and then he had a solid Kimura attempt on PJ at the end of the overtime. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was, it was was a really exciting match. And uh, um, I knew that, that whoever I was going to fight from that side was going to be really tough, just as tough as Taza, if not more, you know, and just more athletic, you know. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, you know, I got PJ, and, uh, and it was an honor to to be able to look at him uh, when I was when I was about to come down from my stage intro, and uh, try to not get too distracted by the the stage intro, and uh, and then slap hands and go, you know. Um, I could feel in that match with PJ that he was uh, he was fishing uh, for some some attempts. Uh, you could just kind of feel it in, in the tenseness of his body and stuff. Like if my hand goes on his hip, he's going to try this like short arm bar right here on me. Um, I wanted to be, I was surprised he let me come on top. Uh, cause I totally thought he was going to want to be on top the whole time and I was going to have to play guard, but, uh, you know, he started playing guard and, uh, I think he was just really trying to lull me into something. Uh, he was hitting short, uh, like these, like, uh, shallow, like, 
inside heel hooks all night on people. Um, I know he inside heel hooked his first match and then did it again to da Davis in his second match. So uh, I knew PJ's heel hooks were on point too. So uh, it, was, it was a really dangerous game I was playing, rolling with PJ. But uh, when we finally made it to overtime uh, and I could feel that my my back controls were better, um, you know, I was hoping I could just get a choke on him. But he had solid defense too, man. And um, <clears throat> every time he would, uh, every time we we'd do overtime, and I would defend and I would try to escape, right? Uh, I do my the Taza thing, you know, bridge, put, try to put my back on the mat and uh, on the choking side. And uh, and he'd force me into a position where I'd have to start rolling the other direction, right? And every single time uh, he'd end up in this position where my arms across his center line, so I'm not escaped. And he would be like doing a knee elbow from almost like a mount position where he's about to throw a triangle on me. And I could just feel it every single time. And I'm just hoping that the next time we, we would end up in this position, it would be easier for me to get out. And, uh, and I was really playing with fire because like, I really felt like he was gonna try to shoot that. And it was only a matter of time and he was probably like feeling it out or something. Um, but you know, I survived. Uh, that was that was really tough because uh, it would have been bad news if he if he went for a choke. I would have totally taken a break. Like, please break my fucking arm. You know, it's like 8K. You know, um, I can I'll I'll heal from a little elbow pain. You know, but like you you can't stop a choke. You know, so um, so like that triangle was definitely uh, striking some fear in my heart for sure. Uh, but we got through it. We got through it, man. Um, and then, uh, yeah. What did the win feel like to you? Uh, the win was great. Um, you know, it's tough when it's a, a 10th planet hero like PJ, you know, uh, I would have, I would have, you know, it's great to have a match with him, uh, especially the finals, but it's always bittersweet, you know, to, to have a victory, um, like that against, against somebody that you've been looking up to for a while. So, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was good. It was good and kind of bad at the same time, but yeah, I get that. And I mean, yeah. there's also <clears throat> an excellence in he's had great days himself as well. So, you know, it's not like he's short of great experiences in his own right. It's also, I think he would probably feel similar, but different <clears throat> just based on how I have interacted with him over the years. He's a very even keel human being. So yeah, he, he's got a good sense of it. Um, and it doesn't take away any from his stride because all of us still think, man, that dude count the years that he's been so high level and just recognize yeah. like, yeah, dude, this dude's been a terror and will continue being a terror. And uh, yeah, he beat uh JT, uh, ADCC, right? Yep. I mean, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a huge deal. And I mean, there is. There are very few people who know that ADCC rule set like JT Torres. Like, you look at somebody and you go, yeah, that's that's one of those top tier human beings who is made for that rule set, who is that much uh, versatility. And to see PJ come out and do that, and you're like, dude, don't ever sleep on PJ. Like, that yeah. dude still has surprises up his sleeve. So that that's a great thing to see. I wanted to ask about this because you also were involved in the PGF. And when I say involved, 
you were there. Other people were doing work to the point where you didn't have to do anything. So what did it feel like to watch from the sidelines on that one? Because you put up a very funny meme that was essentially saying like, yo, when your homie won't even let you get any action. So I was just trying to scrape what little bit of uh, anything I could take out of that experience because I, I, I knew, I knew what was, what I was getting myself into. Like, uh, Sean, Sean hit me up, said, uh, Hey man, uh, we're going to build a team for the quintet this weekend. Uh, do you want to come? And when he said that, uh, and, and I knew Kevin Beering was going to be on my team, I was like, Oh shit. You know, the right thing to do would be to put Kevin in the front and see how far he can go with it. Um, because what happened, uh, I, I had this experience like five years ago or so where we had this kid, Logan Santos here in Atlanta, um, that was like a really big up and comer and, uh, and they, the NFC, the local, uh, jujitsu competition, you know, pro thing kind of put on Logan, uh, in this Creighton MMA, uh, quintet versus all these MMA fighters from American top team. And, uh, and I remember we had, we had a small stadium kind of filled with probably like maybe a hundred, 200 people. And, uh, and Logan was down there and he was in the front and he just starts tapping these MMA fighters, uh, with like heel hooks and guillotines, just one after the other and watching the stadium, the crowd just go like freaking wild over this, uh, it, it would have been such good media, man. Like if, if they had more cameras down there filming, if they could have just gotten this on social media, it would have blown up. It would have gone viral for sure. And so when I, when I heard that we had this opportunity to do the quintet, I was like, yo, uh, we need, we need to get, uh, we need to get Kevin in there on the front, see how far he can go with this, which I had no doubt in my mind, uh, while we're doing that three hour drive there that, uh, I'm probably not going to get, get to roll that night. Um, because Kevin's just going to fuck everyone up. And um, so we put our purple belt, Kevin Beering, up there, uh, the same kid that co-made the event uh, main character. And uh, and I just brought my phone down. I'm like, I'm going to get something out of this. you know. So I just start filming uh, some of his wins and stuff, uh, you know, entrances, whatever. For some reason, I wasn't filming the actual, like, submissions. I think sometimes I don't do that because I don't know how long the match is going to be. I... I, I could probably time it, you know, with filming, but at the same time, I don't, I'm, my goal there wasn't to be a videographer, you know, so I just wanted to get some content and I'm just like, well, this is what I got. Let's, let's make this a meme, you know, let's pump it out, you know, see if, see if uh, people think it's funny. Uh, Cause I thought it was funny, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just miserable right there. Wondering if I'm going to get to uh, have a match at all tonight. And, uh, and Kevin's just out there stunting on everybody, getting viral content for sure. Um, because, I mean, how often, how often do we do these quintet things and get to watch somebody just roll through another team? Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty rare. Yeah. So I've never had that opportunity. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it, I knew it was going to happen. So I just, I just let it happen, you know, <laughs> just let I mean, Kevin listen, fuck everyone up. It's... <laughs> It's a good problem to have in the sense that, yeah, maybe you didn't necessarily get to roll, but it was a great day for Kevin. Like, yeah, it was a great exposure for it. Now, the boys over at PGF asked me to do a fight companion. And, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily get lists of who's involved, who's there. 
So a lot of times to give me a second to calibrate and see who I'm looking at, I'm like, well, there's that person. You clearly stick out. And I go, oh, well, there's Aiken. And I go, okay, great. And then it starts dawning on me where I go, oh, we're not going to see him compete at all. This dude got paid for like a media appearance, like to go to a Hollywood premiere to be like, wave, wave. Is that enough? No, I didn't get paid shit, man. I just, (laughs) I I just showed up. It was good. Like warm up for main character, I guess, because it would kind of put me under the lights next to a stage, you know, uh, you know, make me feel less like a deer caught in the headlights, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and get a little bit of like that competition anxiety, but, um, you know, I knew that there wasn't going to be anyone on the other team that would really give me a problem. Now, as for, would they stall me out? You know, that's always a fear. Um, so you gotta like with quintet rules, you gotta really like go after somebody and try to tap them because on the back end of that, these guys could potentially just draw your team out if they can just simply survive. Um, so you don't want that. So, uh so yeah so kevin did his thing man and uh in the second one i think he got about like like oh no they wouldn't let him go that's yeah. right they wouldn't let him go in the second round against the the final team um otherwise it would have been the same story honestly uh it would have been 10 matches non-stop uh 10 and 0 for kevin but no they let uh they let our second person go which was uh chase Hannah, Chase Hannah did well, um, went through two matches. And then we had Cam go through two matches uh, with the heel hook. And then I finally got the last guy um, who was, you know, super strong, but uh, not really technical or anything. Um, then, yeah, it was, it, was, it was cool. It's a great production. PGF's really good, um, really cool, like lots of lights. Uh, they put it in a church this time, so they had access to, like, a rig and stuff. Um and the space and the seating and um and it was it was a lot of fun and then i got to watch my roommate elijah win the pgf and um and you know he put on a show i think he had kamoy in the finals and um and yeah man uh he deserved it you know he was pgf champ last time and he got to do it again uh so two-time pgf champ he did a great job and i mean it was very fun to watch all the the squad if you would uh have some great moments and we will be talking with uh, both Elijah and Kevin in the coming days, so I'm very excited about that. But coming up next for you, I also see insignia here on your your Instagram that reminds us that you're also coming back to compete at the Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worldscape. So that yeah. is happening at the end of this next month in December. Uh, tell us what your thoughts are on that. Uh, I'm going to have a really tough match with William Tackett. Uh, potentially a tough match with my own teammate Kevin. Uh, if assuming Kevin wins the qualifier for Tenth Planet, um, and then he comes and fills in that spot, they'll probably put him on the same bracket as me, uh, which is a nightmare. Because let me tell you, dude, I, I Kevin just gets better at a way faster rate. It's insane. Um, you know, he's young. He's he's got all the resources he could possibly need for this, and um, and it's only a matter of time. <laughs> that uh that kevin surpasses me so i try to drag that out as long as i can um and that makes us both better for sure so uh so i'm definitely sweating that match with kevin and then got that match with william tackett which is going to be extremely challenging as well um because you know who doesn't know tackett um 
and uh and yeah dude if i can walk out with that that cjj belt again that'll be a two-time cjj champ that sounds pretty good to me i think so well sir you've been very gracious with your time before we get on out of here i did want to ask if you wanted to shout out any of your friends your family members your teammates who helped you have an excellent performance at main character jujitsu as well as any sponsors who have been taking care of you on that side yeah, so Leglock Assassins. This Leglock Assassins has always um, given me good gear, uh, especially that new Tokyo kit they got, the red, white, red and white one uh, with the red stripe on the back. It looks dope as shit on camera. Um, so I've always liked that one, and uh, and you know they've just they've just always pumped out really cool looking gear. Um, they got a good graphic designer over there. Uh, 10th Planet Atlanta is the spot to be at, especially if you're someone in Atlanta. I can't believe you're not training here at 10th Planet Atlanta if you want to compete and stuff. Um, if you don't care to compete, I, I mean, I get it. It's, uh, it's just you know, plenty of jiu-jitsu gyms and stuff. But if you want to compete and you want to have the best jiu-jitsu, this, this has definitely been the spot for the last uh five years or so and it will continue to be the spot so um you know i welcome everybody from atlanta to come join the squad um you know this is this is where the party's at right now and uh and i appreciate everybody that has been there um for the last like five years or so like it's uh y'all made my jujitsu so much better um you know every day it just gets harder in there um because the the young bucks that are coming up are just like they're they're just getting harder and harder to tap. They're uh, getting meaner and faster and smarter. Um, it's it's insane, and and they've just been like rocket fuel um, on me for my for my career, you know. And uh, next thing you know, when this old spaceship has to like break off and fall down, those guys are going to be in the freaking uh, stratosphere too. So. Um, so, you know, I, I love those guys. I love 10th Planet Atlanta, man. And Sean has been an incredible coach, um, thus far, and he'll continue to be, uh, the best coach on the circuit for sure. I have to say, I think Sean is very much in consideration for coach of the year. So, uh, oh, yeah. with all those results, that man has uh, been putting in work. So congrats to him and congrats to you, sir. What we'll do is we'll put a pin on this for right now, but, I will say bye to you off air. My appreciation to you for your time and congratulations again, man. It was a really good run that you had over at main character jujitsu. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate yeah, you guys. Always fun. Hey, no, you are stop that. All right. I'll see no, you. you. No. Hey, listen, you have a time difference. I can beat you on this cause I can just mute you. Watch. Boom. No, you ha can't say anything. I'm off that. All right. So my thanks to you guys for watching. I appreciate you guys. Hey, if you could do us a couple solids here, one, like, comment, and subscribe. And if you are watching on YouTube and you want to leave a comment and you're wondering what you can comment on if you didn't want to comment on anything that we were talking about, why don't you tell us how you think that we can take something from pro wrestling and make it into jiu-jitsu? So you can drop that in the comment section so that we can make ourselves a bigger sport. You can also follow us at high.page backslash grappling hour, five bucks a month to see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. And for a few extra dollars, you could see tape date breakdowns, uh, tape studies, extra bonus content not available anywhere else, as well as other fun stuff that we cook up there. And finally, join our Discord to continue the conversations that we have here on the show. That's going to do it for us, guys. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats.